In the rugged, desolate country along the Dead Sea, hidden in the caves of En Gedi, David spent many days avoiding Saul and writing and meditating on the Psalms. Today on Through the Bible, Dr. J. Vernon McGee takes us through some of these Psalms that he describes as delightful. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus for another meaningful study in God's Word. Now, as we start, here's Dr. McGee with a message that gives you maybe a little more perspective on our mission to take God's whole word to his whole world. The title of this editorial we've written is Communication, and we've headed that with Psalm 68, 11. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. The present condition of the world has been brought about largely by the advanced methods of communication and transportation. Whether that is good or bad is not the subject of this brief epistle. The ability to communicate is one of the talents that God has given to man. And like other talents, it comes in degrees. Some possess this talent to a greater degree than others. Every human being can communicate, even the deaf and dumb. At the Tower of Babel, God slowed down the ability to communicate. He had given to man a language, and now that language is mixed up. It's put in the mixer. And it made it difficult at the Tower of Babel to communicate. I can well understand that one man speaks to another in Swahili, and he answers back in Outer Mongolian. I'm sure that they had a little difficulty of understanding, and they at least left off building the Tower of Babel and began to scatter over the earth. He did it to prevent man in sin from plunging the entire race into open rebellion against God. The Babel syndrome raised natural borders and barriers. It permitted God to deal with one segment of the human race at a time in order to provide a deliverance from man from the shackles of sin. After the salvation was provided... Then God instructed man to take this so great salvation to the entire world, beginning at Jerusalem, on to Judea, on to Samaria, and finally on to the ends of the earth. After almost 2,000 years, this instruction should have been carried out, and the entire world should have heard in their mother tongue The facts are that there are more unsaved in the world than when Christ first came. The corollary is likewise true. There are more Christians in the world than at any other period in the history of the world. This condition is one of the factors that make it imperative for those who have heard and believed to hasten and attempt to enlarge the process of getting out the Word of God. The language barrier is still a formidable hurdle to clear. It has been a tedious job 
of getting the Bible translated into other languages. It's almost impossible to get the whole Bible into all the languages of the world. Tremendous strides have been made by faithful missionaries. The task is not hopeless, neither are Christians helpless. Not only are there translators for most of the major languages of the world, but God has provided a tool to enable the Christian to reach the world. That tool is radio. The translator and the radio do not complete the process. There must be a communication and a communicator. The entire Bible must be taught. The communication must be put in a language that those who hear it in their own tongue might hear and believe. This is where the Through the Bible radio comes in. We provide the communication and the communicator. Christian radio provides the tool and the follow-up. Another factor is that Christian radio alone can reach the three-fifths of the world's population that are back of some sort of a curtain. The listener in this country can have a part in this tremendous enterprise of getting out the Word of God. Funds must be provided to complete the process. All Christians can have a part. The listener should be sure that the whole Word is given and that there is a response. The listener alone can prevent the great door of opportunity from becoming another religious racket. The communication and the communicator are essential to this process. You can go to the world now. Do you have something to say? The world is listening. Hard rock music and a soft, watered-down message is not what the Lord Jesus Christ had in mind when he said, Go ye into all the world. And a seminar on marriage is not a substitute for the direct order. Preach the word, not from the word or about the word, but preach the word. To pray and partner with us as we get God's Word out in more than 200 languages worldwide, call 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org forward slash give. And let's go before the Lord now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word that reaches into lives all over the world. May it find its way into our hearts today, too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Buckle your belts. We're ready to take off for Psalm 56-60 through 60 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come today to another delightful little cluster of psalms, five of them, from Psalm 56 to 60. And they all are known as miktam psalms. You'll notice that each one of them is that way. For instance, Psalm 56, the first one, to the chief musician upon Jonathan Rehokim. And it's a miktam of David when the Philistines took him in Gath. Now, this is a miktam psalm. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word means engraven. And actually, it speaks of that which is substantial, that which is durable, 
that which is fixed. You remember David said, my heart is fixed. Now, that's a miktam, by the way. It means unmovable and steadfast and lasting stability and permanency and endurance. It has all of these meanings. These are wonderful psalms. And this first one now, the miktam psalms, Dalich called it the cheerful courage of a fugitive. And you'll recall that in the last psalm, David talked about that if he only had the wings of a dove so he could fly away, lodge in the wilderness. In this psalm, the desire is realized, and the enemy's outside, and there's great danger, and the wicked's on every side. And in all of that, why, God delivered him. And, of course, the historical background is that the Philistines had taken him at Gath, that is, had captured David. And David's experience is written out here. Now, that experience is a picture of the Great Tribulation period again. All of these psalms have that prophetic look. And between the historical and the prophetic, between David's experience and the experience of those in the future, it has a real message for us today. And it speaks to our own hearts. For all of these psalms do that. And I'm going to read now a translation here. It's not one of the public translations. It's a private translation made by a man whom I respect a great deal. And I'm reading this translation. You follow in your text. Be gracious unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Throughout the day fighting, he oppresseth me. They are watching me and would swallow me up the whole day, for many are they that fight against me in pride. David, you see, surrounded by the enemy, seems to be on a hot seat and in a bad spot. Then what's he going to do in a case like this? Well, he says, when I was afraid. Was David afraid? He certainly was. Are you afraid? I had a couple say to me, they heard me make the statement that when I go by plane, I don't enjoy the trip. There's a fear in my heart. And they thought there's something wrong with my faith in God. My friend, may I say to you, fear will bring out faith in your life. Listen to David. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. <laughs> and I'm afraid these people today that sit back comfortably and say, well, you know, I haven't any fear. Well, that may mean that you really are insensitive to what the circumstances really are and the problem really is. Or it may be a foolish sort of a faith. But David said, I'm afraid. In these circumstances, David was afraid. What did he do? Why well, he says, I'll trust in thee. I'm going to trust the Lord. Can you fear and have faith at the same time? Because the Scripture says, perfect love casteth out all fear. Love will do it, but you can still have faith and still be afraid. I hope that'll be a comfort to some folk today because there's a lot of foolish things being said that actually are not scriptural. Then down in this psalm, and I'm going to drop down now, there's a very wonderful statement made, and it's down in verse 8. Will you notice this? This is a very wonderful thing. He says here, Thou countess my wanderings. The Lord knows about every trip you make. I 
have thought of that a great deal since I've been studying the Psalms this time, because since I've retired, I've been going from place to place. And I sometimes ask my wife, I said, what did I speak about when we were in this certain place in Ohio or down in Florida or back in Texas or up in the state of Washington or out in the Hawaiian Islands? I forget what I was speaking about. And then she'll tell me, the Lord's got all that written down. If I could just have access to his book, it would be great. Notice what he says, thou countest my wanderings. My tears have been put into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Now, you will find a note in this New Schofield Bible that says sometimes in olden days in the East, mourners would catch their tears in bottles, that is, water skins, and place them at the tombs of their loved ones, you know, to show how much they grieve. Well, let me add something to that that John Bunyan, the tinker of Bedford, has said. And I think this is wonderful. He said this, and I'm quoting now, God preserves our tears in a bottle so that he can wipe them away someday. You know, friend, when I read that, I wish I'd cried more. (laughs) We need to weep more because God keeps them in a bottle and he's going to wipe them away someday. How wonderful this is. And then he goes on to say, which is very wonderful here, in God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Someone wrote and said to me, you make too much of the Bible. You're everlastingly talking about the word of God. That's what David did. He said, in God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Well, there's so few that are praising the Word of God, I want to make up for them. So I'm praising God for His Word. And then he says, I'll not be afraid what man can do unto me. And wonderful to have a resource and a recourse to God. And here he says, the last verse, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Now, David said, and especially after his sin, David said, I want to walk before God that I don't slip up again. And as far as the record is concerned, David didn't slip up again. Now, the king of Babylon committed that kind of sin every day of the year. It was an old hat for him, but not for David. And David says, I want to walk before God. And today, you and I, are joined to walk in the Spirit. God has given us not just a walking stick, more than that. To walk in the Spirit means to be utterly and absolutely dependent upon the Spirit of God. And this, my friend, gets right down where the rubber meets the road. It means to get down and practice this, as we saw in Galatians. It means get down out of your high chair and start walking going to fall on your head, going to hurt yourself. Sure you are, but you're going to learn to walk if you attempt to walk in the Spirit of God. Commit yourself to him every day. This is a wonderful psalm, a Mictam psalm. Now we come to the second Mictam psalm, and that's Psalm 57. And that has an added title. It is called Al-Tashef, Al-Tashef. And what does that mean? That means destroy not. And that has a very wonderful meaning as we get into this psalm here. 
And we're told that it's to the chief musician, Altasheth, Miktam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Now, David spent time in the caves that were along the Dead Sea, down at En Gedi. I was there in May. I didn't want to be down there in summer. It's a very hot spot below sea level. And it's a very delightful place, I would say, in wintertime. And David spent time in the caves up there. That's a rugged country. And the cave of Adullam is up in that area also. Now, it's the belief of many expositors that this has reference to the cave of Adullam. And here is where David meditated on many of these psalms which he composed. And the sufferings of David are here. And they foreshadowed the sufferings of Christ. And again, looking on to the godly remnant during the time of Jacob's trouble. And they speak to us today. That's the wonder of the Word of God. Now, will you notice? Be merciful unto me, O God, be gracious to me. I don't know about you today, but that's my prayer. I want God to be merciful to me. I don't want him to be just with me and righteous, because if he does, I'm going to get a whipping. (laughs) I want him to be merciful unto me, and I want him to be gracious to me. And he's that kind of a God. He's rich in mercy. He's got enough for me, not enough for you too. And I take up a whole lot of it, by the way. Now, will you notice? For in thee hath my soul taken refuge, and in the shed of thy wings will I find shelter. Now, here is a very wonderful song. David is saying here, in the shadow of thy wings will I find shelter. Now, David found that. This nation didn't. The Lord Jesus said to them in Matthew 23:37, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. And today, are we willing to come under his wings? That means to be obedient unto him, you see. And it means we're to love him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it means to walk again in the Spirit. Now, there's some wonderful statements here. It says, he shall send from the heavens and save me. And then again, he says, God shall send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Aren't those wonderful statements? And he says, my soul is among lions. Satan goes up and down this world like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he has a lot of little lions, too, that are helping him. Now he says here, and remember these Mictam Psalms have to do with that which is permanent, that which is durable, that which is substantial, that which is lasting. David says here, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. Verse 7. And then down to the next verse, he says, I will wake the morning dawn. (laughs) What a beautiful, wonderful expression that is. I will wake the morning dawn. The night is over now. And the night of sin and of suffering and of Satan's rule is over now, and the morning has come, and the Son of Righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. What a wonderful psalm this is. Now I come to the 58th psalm, and this psalm 
that we have is another Al-Tashith psalm as well as being a Miktam psalm. Now, it means this is something that is substantial and durable, and it means destroy not. And again, will you notice this is a question, and who asks it? Bishop Horn thought that God was the one that asked this question here. And it goes like this. Is righteousness indeed silent? Do ye judges speak it? Do ye with uprightness judge the children of man? You know, the Lord's going to call on the judges to turn in their report to him someday. And it is apparently God speaking now using the pen of David, of course. Now we come down to a prayer here, and it's an imprecatory prayer. He's speaking about these enemies that are about him, that work. They're like a serpent, and they are those that are his enemies that seek to destroy him. And he asks six things, that is, six destructions he prays for here. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O God. Now, the enemy was like a lion. And I don't know about you. Somebody says, a Christian can't pray this prayer. I pray the Lord is going to absolutely deal with Satan. And he's the roaring lion. I hope God breaks his teeth, my friend. I don't consider that unchristian at all. And David was speaking of his enemies in that day, and he's under law. He's asking for justice. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Now he says, using another figure of speech, let them melt away like waters which run continually. Why, the wickedness was like a flood. And now he asks God, let that flood of wickedness just melt away. And then the third one, when he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. And he's like a marksman that is shooting at him, you see. What a picture that you have here. And then we have another picture that's given. Like a snail which melted, let every one of them pass away. That's the fourth one. And the snail here's apparently an unusual snail in that country. And that snail under the sun would absolutely be melted. But the snail goes through and leaves his slimy trail. And David says, evaporate him. Get rid of that slimy trail through the world today. And then we find the fifth thing here, like the untimely birth of a woman that they may not see the sun. That is, may they not come to fruition in the things that they plan in the evil womb of their mind. May it come to naught. And now the sixth and last figure of speech he uses, he says, Before your pots can feel the burning thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. You gather together these thorns to put under the pot to heat it, and a wind comes along and blows them away. And he says, Oh, God, remove them before they can do their dirty work, before they can burn and sear. I think this is a tremendous prayer. Now the next prayer which is Psalm 59. It's also a miktam and an al-tashith of David. And it's along the same line. And prophetically, this psalm describes the suffering remnant during the tribulation surrounded by enemies. I'll not go into detail there. Then the 60th is the last of these miktam psalms. And it is a time when actually David was victorious. He was victorious over his enemies. 
That is, the Edomites were defeated in a great slaughter. And this is a picture of the deliverance that God is going to give to his people someday. O God, thou hast cast off, thou hast scattered us, thou hast been angry, restore us again. And now there is that cry in verse 6. Here is the answer. God hath spoken in his holiness. I will exult. I will portion out Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth, and so on. What a glorious, wonderful thing is. And how will it be accomplished? Who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will lead me into Edom? Wilt not thou, O God, who didst cast us off? In other words, God will restore them. God will restore his saints today, though they be in trouble and difficulty and even in sin. God will restore him. My, isn't God good? May God richly bless you, my beloved. Explore resources that will help you deepen your study of God's Word at ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you back here next time as the Bible Bus continues through the Bible. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.